Welcome to You Wanted a Hit, a podcast in which we discuss unlikely, perplexing, and positively bizarre songs that swept the nation and often the world. Hit songs that, looking back, make us think, how did this get played on the radio? Do people actually like this? Do we like this? Thanks so much for tuning in. I'm your co-host, Michael Smith, and I'll be discussing one song per episode with my co-host and fellow music fanatic, pop culture enthusiast Theo Beidler. Each episode, we'll take turns exploring the song, while the other host has no idea what song will be the focus until we hit play. Boom, we're recording. Boom, we're recording. All right, here we are. Let's go. Episode eight of You Wanted a Hit. Welcome. We are here. We have our second guest with us, and we're so psyched. He's a great friend of ours. Uh, Many of you may know him as One Man Jams. (laughs) We know him as Jeremy. He is a singer, rapper, producer, musician, DJ. You may have seen some of his wonderful work popping up on Instagram and TikTok recently. Some of the coolest covers online that I've seen, for sure. Jeremy, what's up, man? It's great to have you here. Yeah, it's good to be here. Um, I'm a big fan. I'll be honest. I've listened to all of the episodes. My man. Anytime I know I've got an hour drive ahead of me, an hour and two minutes, who knows? <laughs> um, I try to pop it in. I gave you guys, I'm in the process of like once a year, I always switch streaming platforms just to see if I should know how anything that's not Spotify works like as an artist. So I recently listened like on Apple Podcasts. Sounds just as good in both places. Okay, that's, good. That's good. You gave it five stars in both places. I have not given you guys five ah. stars yet. I gave Conan O'Brien <laughs> needs a friend five stars, but okay, he needs he it. it. That's right. He needs it. Of course, <laughs> I'll come around to giving you guys five stars too. That goes for the rest of y'all. That's his only job now. Yeah, his only job is podcasting. That's crazy. So he deserves it. We have other jobs. So I agree that Conan deserves it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Conan O'Brien needs five stars. Change the title. I love it. You've heard uh, all seven episodes and you still said yes. To being on here. <laughs> I'm, glad, uh, I'm glad we're still getting guest requests after the Bloodhound Gang episode. <laughs> As Mike just mentioned, we have a man of, of many talents, many hats here. So I, I researched a, a handful of songs before fully diving into today's podcast because so I wanted to find a song that, as a DJ, you would have played at many parties, <laughs> which does not narrow down the selections because a lot of our songs are, are jams. Uh, I wanted to find a song that had heavy producer influence, which I think this one does. Also, I wanted to find a song, as you are an amazing singer, I wanted to find a song from, a, <laughs> from an artist who is a, has a great voice. So I discovered one. This artist is known primarily as a R&B singer. He's not a one-hit wonder because he's got a handful of hits, Ooh. but none as big as this one. <laughs> this thing right here. <laughs> <laughs> letting all the ladies know what guys talk about. You know. Let's go, boys. Let's go. <laughs> Check it out. Oh, this is choice. Uh, it is such a jam. You know, I I had a feeling this song was coming only because, <laughs> Ted, you and I have talked about this song several times that it needs to be covered because it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. But also, I was hesitant to talk about it because on one hand, it's ridiculous. But on the other hand, there's no real I mean, like question about why it's a, it's a, it's a massive hit. 
because there are so many great elements to it. That's fair. I think it's unlikely because it's just a song about underwear that goes up people's asses and it ended up being one of the biggest hits of our time. <laughs> yes. Uh, and that uh, people along the way were like, yep, we're going with this. We're going yeah. to put millions of dollars we're behind it. We this. have to do this. Yep. But I, I, I kind of <laughs> had a feeling it might come up because, Ted, you and I have talked about how great the song is and how it's a banger. And Jeremy specifically texted us and said, hey, guys, pick a banger. <laughs> That's fair. Very fair. <laughs> That's fair. Another reason why I was slightly hesitant to do this song is because yeah. we just celebrated the 20th anniversary of the thong song. Oh, wow. And because of that, Vice made a, uh, a short little documentary, so to speak, about the song and the history oh, wow. of the song. So I'm going to pull from that from that video but we're adding more into this and we're gonna have a, a lively <laughs> conversation so i thought we could still uh plagiarize a little and steal the, the work that they've already done but it's a great video so i highly recommend after you listen to this podcast and after you give us five stars you go and watch the the vice commentary as well cisco real name mark andrews hails from baltimore maryland Ooh, i didn't know that i didn't know that he does yeah i did know that yeah he was a part of drew hill yes which is named after the druid hills area of baltimore i don't think i knew that you know i never knew that but i loved drew hill as a kid Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so before joining drew hill cisco has always had the nickname cisco and from an article i read he got this nickname from some friends who said his light curly hair made him resemble a Latino. So they called him Cisco. Now, me being a suburban white kid, I didn't <laughs> fully understand <laughs> how we got there. But there's a step or two missing. Trust I the did process. look up I I attempted like Urban Dictionary Cisco to see if it mm-hmm. like was anything else that I didn't know about. And uh, I typed it in multiple ways, including C I S C O. The main hit there is apparently Cisco is a drink uh, and on the Urban Dictionary uh, definition, it says, wine that will fuck you up horribly. <laughs> it's a drink like none other, cherished among students in Miami, Florida, and will give you a hangover worse than life itself, commonly referred to as liquid crack. So I don't think this has anything to do with our boy Cisco, but, wow. you know, just want to put that out there. <laughs> See you guys in Miami this weekend. We got to find Catch some Cisco. Lights. Let's go. Let's go. Uh, so Cisco, probably like many artists of uh of his generation and our generation uh super inspired by michael jackson growing up and michael jackson will come back a couple times in this story cisco realized that he could he could be a singer he could be a dancer and then he started doing these things as a young lad and apparently i found one article that references the fact that cisco also was a great illustrator apparently like in i don't know if it's high school or or middle school but Cisco said that Disney staffers interested in his anime influence drawing offered him a spot on a sort of animators trade school. And he said, I didn't go to the school because my friends couldn't go. And then he said, that's when keeping it real goes wrong. <laughs> so apparently he could have been an animator. Are we here talking about this song today? If Cisco goes to this animator school? No way. No way. No way. No way. So right? maybe keeping it real. That's mm-hmm. what I'm saying. Exactly. So it, that's when keeping it real goes right. <laughs> Does this mean that Cisco was designing all of the dragons on all of the Drew Hill and Cisco <laughs> albums and all of the terrible metallic lettering on yes. all those albums? <laughs> <laughs> 
not the best. Uh, not not my not my cup of tea. Might have been your cup of tea in year two thousand. True, true. <laughs> so instead of going to Disney Animator School, Cisco instead worked at the Fudgery in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. Dude, I know exactly where that is. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. Well, apparently the fudgery is a place where uh, you make fudge, and and the guys who work there mm-hmm. would also like thin as they're making the fudge. And so I read a couple conflicting things, but that apparently is where he met Larry Jazz Anthony, James Woody Green, and Tamir Nokio Ruffin, who he forms Drew Hill with. So it all comes from the fudgery in Baltimore's Inner Harbor. Everything comes back to the fudgery. It's good to know. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> now, Drew Hill, for those who are unfamiliar, a fairly successful R&B hip-hop group. Many hits. Uh, I read yes. that they had seven top 40 hits, including In My Bed, Sleeping Never Make a Promise, and How Deep Is Your Love. Messing with my head. I remember that. Classic. They're all so good. I had the, the album that had How Deep Is Your Love on it, and from what I remember... I loved that song, and I loved one of their other songs that was on it. And then I remember like half of it being ballads. And me in like middle school, I was like, "Can we get a few more bangers on here?" And then, <laughs> as we know, Cisco moved on. <laughs> Cisco said, "Hold my Sierra Nevada. I got a couple bangers for you." <laughs> oh, look at that! Oh. Look at that! Our guest host dropping the sponsor. Love it. <laughs> Speaking of, I gotta say, I'm so impressed that we invited Jeremy onto the show. And we all sign on, working through a few tech issues at the beginning, and I notice he's drinking a Sierra Nevada, Pale which Ale. I just love his support for the show Orn and brand. for our wonderful beer partner. So all three of us are yes. drinking Sierra Nevada. That's a good move. <laughs> I appreciate it. I also didn't realize, as I put the Sierra Nevada I purchased in our fridge, one of my roommates had already purchased a six pack of Sierra Nevada, which is not something that happens in regular rotation in our fridge. So it threw me off guard. And I was like, did I get 14 of these things? Like, how are there? <laughs> What's going on here? All right. So we got, we got Drew Hill. Uh, in 1999, they did a little ditty with Will Smith and Cool Mo D. Oh, yeah. For the Wild Wild West soundtrack. Cool Mo D. Yeah. No cool Mo D. This is how, this is how uncool yeah, I am. Right. Yeah, because <laughs> Google D did the original, and then Will Smith and Drew Hill remixed it. I have the original on 12-inch single. Um, also, just in general, a big Cool Mo D fan. Well, yeah, so they did this, They did the song together, and then the subsequent video for Wild Wild West, which is a great video, uh, and it features cameos by not only Stevie Wonder, Enrique Iglesias, and Babyface, but also... Alfonso Ribeiro, who played Carlton in Fresh Prince, which I did not know until I rewatched the video. I gotta, I gotta peep that. I don't think. Whoa! I remember Stevie Wonder being in it. I don't remember Enrique Mm -hmm. or Alfonso. Alfonso does a little, little hat nod, and then apparently, okay, maybe I do remember that. It's it's pretty great. I can see his like little (laughs) grin on his face doing it. I kind of feel like Will Smith always, at least from what I can tell from what I know of him, kind of always involves his buddies. It's like, hey, I was in this duo and now I have this hit TV show. The DJ for my duo is also going to be on this TV show. And then he's a famous rapper and actor way after Fresh Prince. And he's like, hey, Alfonso, you want to be in this video? (laughs) He's kind of, he's the Adam Sandler of hip hop. Yes. (laughs) Judd Apatow. (laughs) Yeah. 
Well, one person that you will not see in this video, uh, you will see Cisco, and you will see most of the members of Drew Hill. You will not see our boy Woody, though, because apparently while filming the video, I knew it was Woody. Woody decided, nah, I'm done with this lifestyle. I'm leaving the band, and I'm going to follow a gospel music career. So, and apparently it happened on the set. Yeah, you're not really an R&B group from the 90s unless one of you guys <laughs> tried to do the gospel thing for just a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mace did the same thing, too. Mace for a did while. the same thing. Yeah. Uh, second iteration of Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams. Yes. As well. That's true. All right, well, so it was very on brand for the time. Yes. But it did, it did cause ripples in the, in the uh, Drew Hill success. The label wanted them to continue on. Uh, and apparently it just wasn't wasn't going to happen without all the members. So this is when Cisco decides to make an album, a solo album. When he decides to unleash the dragon. Mm. He decides <laughs> to unleash the dragon. <laughs> Which is the name of this. I, don't, I can't remember. I think maybe the, I can't remember what the his first album is called off the top of my oh, head. It, but the it. intro, I know the, the intro for that album. Which, called, which not to jump too forward, okay. but there's a video for Unleash the Dragon that cost 2.5 million dollars oh, no. <laughs> it's I, I don't remember Whoa. i don't know it's epic did, uh, did hype williams direct it it's like nine I minutes long so. it's got <laughs> so it it's a film I, I read some conflicting reports whether whether cisco made the album in secret and, and had, didn't tell the guys ahead of time or whether they were involved in it either way it because uh, i read one about it said cisco had secretly recorded unleash your dragon and sold it back to def jam and promoted it partly to ensure Drew Hill made money and got some songwriting credits during an otherwise difficult time. So the whole the whole idea behind the album was to, one, as Cisco said, buy time for Woody to do his thing and mm. then come back. And then it wow. also... Realize he doesn't want to be in the Christian music <laughs> world. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, but it, it did sound like, from a couple different sources, that Cisco did... Either they did write songs together, or he just gave them songwriting credits in order to keep Drew Hill kind of continuing on that's huge that's cool yeah pretty awesome it's a pro move and not to jump ahead but it works because drew hill still performing together and uh long after cisco's career are they currently i think so i the the last that i read was certainly 2019 so i'll have to i'll have to find the footage on brand with what happened i guess on the set of the wild wild west video there's this interview i can't remember what radio station they were at but they're announcing this reunion tour um sometime in the previous decade and the footage of that interview shows them getting in a fight and one of them walking out oh interesting this i believe the tour never happened i believe i'm not sure but it's like i hope so it's like an infamous like Ah. video of this interview (laughs) i don't know if they've since mended i also know that (laughs) cisco came solo to um a bar in clarendon like a random bar that is not open anymore <laughs> called mad rose um and i believe the tickets sold out there were like vip tables to go see cisco for like 500 bucks and they like sold out and it was like well it, it was just it was the most fascinating thing like before like i remember hearing about it and then going to see what the tickets were and it was like what vip tables for 500 dollars are sold out to see cisco but clarendon virginia that makes so much sense right <laughs> but like not at like not at like the Fillmore or like u street music hall or like 9 30 like just some bar and right <laughs> hey so i i just uh 
I was there watching football in the afternoon. I thought I'd just stay for the Cisco show. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was a Thursday night show. I don't think it was a weekend show, which is even That's more impressive. Crazy. Well, Cisco, uh, prior to this Clarendon experience, uh, wrote an entire album, wrote Unleash a Dragon. And from, from what I can gather, as you re- mentioned, Mike, was looking for that hit. He had a lot of R&B songs, a lot of good ballads, uh, but he needed that like that one banger. And so his manager introduces him to two producers, Bob Robinson and Tim Kelly, known as Bob and Tim, who at the time were mega R&B producers. Uh, they worked with Usher, Boys to Men, TLC, Monica. I saw somewhere they worked with Madonna as well. Uh, so these guys were, were big in that space. And as the Vice documentary showcases, they were very sought after in the R&B, kind of more you know, soul ballad type world, but they wanted to break into pop. And at the time, they were really going after Michael Jackson. So they were creating a bunch of beats for Michael Jackson, trying to get in front of him. And one of the songs that they put together was uh, from, from Tim of Bob and Tim was sampling a lot of Wes Montgomery, who I was not familiar with. He's an old jazz blues guitarist and born in the 1920s in Indianapolis. Uh, he was a welder living a, a working-class life when he heard Charlie Christian for the first time in 1943, bought a guitar, taught himself how to play, and kind of the rest is history from there. Got really influential in the jazz scene, the blues scene, and became this like incredible guitar player that kind of had his own style the entire time was still working as a welder supporting his wife and seven kids so impressive um i listened to a lot of west montgomery today as well while working uh very cool stuff i was very into what he's doing so he has a song his version of eleanor rigby that is really good and tim kelly from bob and tim used a sample of west's version of eleanor rigby as a framework which will become Oh my god, Thong that song. is absolutely The string nuts. part in Thong Song sounds like Eleanor Rigby. How have I not thought yeah, about this before? But I never thought about that. Exactly. <laughs> oh my goodness. Holy shit. Oh my. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> this thing right here. Yeah. <laughs> so, they they put these beats know? together. Are they, uh, after uh, Cisco's manager called you know. Bob and Tim, and says, hey, can you put a bunch of beats together and send it through? You know, we're interested in finding some, some new songs. So they do this. They accidentally leave this Eleanor Rigby song on there because this song is made for Michael Jackson. They really wanted to get in front of Michael Jackson, which at the time, Michael Jackson owned the Beatles catalog. Oh, that's so right. So it would have made yeah. sense. Uh, but they accidentally put it on this record with Cisco. Cisco comes out to LA, sits down with the guys. They listen through the music and Bob and Tim are like, fuck we didn't mean to leave that song on there. Like that one's not for you. But Cisco's like, yo, but that's, that's a jam. Like I need that. I need that. That's the one. And so that's the one. <laughs> they say, no, they all agree. Uh, Cisco says, cool. Give me the other songs. I'll listen through to them. Flies back to Baltimore, lands in Baltimore, calls the guys and says, nah, I need that song. <laughs> Whatever it takes. Like I will pay anything. And I will come back right now. I will get on the next flight to L.A., come back right now. And they were like, fuck it. We'll moonwalk from Baltimore to yeah. L.A. to show you how important well, this is. You know why he heard it and knew he had to have it? It's a fucking Beatles song. Like, <laughs> if you're yes. presented with, hey, Jude, you're like, yep, I need this on my album. This is a great song. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Well, it worked because they say, okay, he flies right back. And the next day, they're in the studio working on what will become the thong song. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> From where we stand now, there's no lyrics. There's no <laughs> lyrics to this song. We've got a great beat that is based on Alan Rigby. So, of course, you know, it's, it's gold. So, here's the meat of how the thong song came together. Uh, and this, this kind of blew my mind. Apparently, thongs were not a thing. We're not very popular at this time prior to this song so cisco goes on a date with a, meets a girl goes on a date uh they're having a a, a sexual interaction hey, cisco she's stripping for him and this is the first time he sees a thong and he's like yo <laughs> what is that he's 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 mind blown by this <laughs> so the thong song is, is his real life experience of seeing a thong for the first time and even more so, he goes back to his boys the next day, tells them all the stories, and then all of them are like, they've never seen a thong. So they're like, yo, I gotta see a thong. This is now their new mission. <laughs> and uh, I, I will read one quote from Cisco that I loved. Uh, this, is, this is in Billboard magazine. It's, I think this is like later on when he's recounting his experience because I had never seen one before. Apparently, none of my friends had actually seen one before because in 1999, there wasn't a whole lot of thongs being worn unless it was some sort of swimsuit ad. I just remembered seeing one and it was like, you ever seen the Ten Commandments when Moses went up and his hair <laughs> and his hair was black and then he came back down and his hair was all silver? That was literally the joke I was making with my silver hair. The thong was a stone tablet in my mind. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. This is incredible. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's so many layers. Are we saying that the moment in which Cisco's date showed him her thong underwear that it changed underwear forever? Yep. Exactly. Wow. And we will get there, Mike. We will get there. She's really the trendsetter. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> legend i guess thongs were slightly taking off because yeah like i said he tells his boys all this it's now their mission to go see a thong and while he's working (laughs) while he's working on this song i'm picturing them being like they're going around the neighborhood going like we got to see a thong how do we see a thong like like one one of those like coming of age movies yes The Goonies only. <laughs> Goonies. I was gonna go like American Pie or something, but <laughs> oh, no, but like they're searching for something in the Goonies. That's yeah, why true, it's true. Like, okay, goofy true. to me. True. <laughs> uh, to be fair, I think Cisco was like nineteen or twenty years old at this time. Okay, so he's working on the song. He's got the the framework and, and like the one verse. Uh, he does not have a chorus. He's trying to figure that out. One of his boys comes back one day and says, yeah, "Guess what I got from a girl." And they're like, yo, what would you get? What'd you get? You go, I got the thong, the thong, thong, thong. And Cisco is like, that's it. That's it. That is where this, this course came from. Oh my God. I never think about it being as playful as when you just sang it just now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like it's really that, that simple. That's yeah, pretty on pitch there too. It sounded good. Yeah. Thank you. Pretty good. Thank you. I've been working on it. To continue the theme of, of the poop conversations we've had from the last two weeks, uh, there is a lyric in the song 
that says dumps like a truck. And apparently Cisco is often asked to clarify this. Uh, and <laughs> multiple times he says that this is not a song right. about a girl taking a truck. <laughs> it is about a girl backing up like a truck would, as we all know. But yes, I had to clarify There's that. always somebody on the internet going, this song's about poop for every song. People love it. It seems. Yeah. Uh, as I mentioned, there's really not much to the song outside of one verse. And, uh, and while the hook was the last piece of the track to come together, Cisco says he nearly wrote a second verse, but felt it would ruin the track's club allure. Words just wouldn't come for a second verse because you pretty much would ruin the song if you start to say what happened after she blew your mind with the song. He explains, it's probably going to be like, we walking down the aisle. Now we get married. <laughs> so, he, so he decided that using modulation uh, for the rest of the song and just saying the same verse over and over again was the key, which actually it works. I, it blows my mind. Do you need a second verse when you have that key change in that yeah. song? <laughs> well, that's a big part of it. That's a, that's a huge part of it. Yeah. You don't. But also, like, oh. that was pretty unorthodox. It still is. Yeah, because it's literally like the first verse is like one octave. The second verse is the same words up an octave. What would be considered, I guess, a bridge or a vamp is just the verse again, only spoken. And then there's like a little string for a flourish. And then he changes keys. And he changes keys with that like, yeah, yeah, which is something very, that's like back in the day when like R&B singers had like, as opposed to being like, Jason Derulo, which I guess that also counts, or like having like producer tags. Like Arby Singers had tags, and that was like Cisco's tag. It's like, true. If you listen to like How Deep Is Your Love, he starts How Deep Is Your Love. Is that there's a part on the DMX song he's featured on, right in the middle of it, like right right at the end of his little verse, he like does it every single song uh, for like well, two and a half years. Even Cisco in Wild Wild West, that tag. he has a moment where he, he does yes. that. He does in Wild Wild West, yeah, right. I know all these songs. I know exactly what parts you're talking about, and I'm definitely going to splice yeah. them all into this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but specifically yes. in Thong Song, I always think that note sounds so good. Like, it's really it's good. so good. It's epic. Many articles call it climactic. I which, would say that's true. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's it's good, because it's like Whitney Houston and I <laughs> drill. Yeah! yeah. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> comparable uh, i think so i'm just saying two of the most famous key changes of all time, of all time. this is why we bring jeremy orn <laughs> i mean honestly i feel like that's a that's a big compliment to cisco now uh, we got the lyrics now he rolls in to work with tim and bob and he starts to rework the the actual song as well so the original song with eleanor rigby with like heavy beats heavy modulation you you can hear uh in the vice documentary they do play like some of the original versions that bob and tim put together which would have been like the actual eleanor rigby played by west montgomery with the beats and, and the drum beats that that tim put down on top of it cisco rightly so says like that's eleanor rigby eleanor rigby is his own thing we need to create something similar but like very different because we can't just like one copy eleanor rigby because it's, it's its own platitude and also like would be a fucking bitch to license so <laughs> yes <laughs> probably not gonna happen yes. so cisco hires his own string guy. He hires a violinist. It's this guy, Bruce uh, Dukov, Dukov, Dukov. Uh, and he played on 1,800 feature motion pictures, including Star Wars, a bunch of TV shows, Whoa. and then worked with folks like Barbara Streisand and Sinatra. So this guy's a legend. It's a legend. A legend. 
I was going to say it even if it had only been one song, but it's 1,799 more. I can hear Cisco saying, the song's got to be epic. We got to get the right strings guy. Get me the Star Wars guy. That's like the most famous <laughs> strings ever. Get me him. And then get me Sinatra's strings guy, because those are famous pop strings. And they're like, uh, Cisco, it's the same guy. Get me him. He's very funny. <laughs> he's, he's featured prominently on the Spice documentary. And he, uh, the way he talks about it, he's like, I don't know who Cisco was. I met with him. He had funny hair. And he was, and essentially, like, Cisco, to his creative credit, like, was like, here's what I want it to sound like. And then this guy is like, brilliant. So he, you know, he like made it happen. And so they they created this you know string piece that that now that we know does sound a lot like Eleanor Rigby, but also it's like very much its own thing. I mean, even tonally, now that I'm thinking about it, Fong Song sounds so much like Eleanor Rigby. <laughs> yeah, I can't stop. The chances in the next couple weeks that I'm singing the Thong Song over Eleanor Rigby <laughs> on yes. my social media is climbing. The more we talk about it, <laughs> yeah. And next DJ set. They're getting mashed together. Yes, please. Apparently, I, re- I read this thing that the a, a, a very small snippet of the string parts also feature uh, a bit of Flight of the Bumblebee. Which I need to go back and like really see if that's that's the case. But yeah, I mean this this the song is like when I re-listen to it again and again, there, there's a lot that really stands out. But the string part of it is like it's huge and. It probably was very unique at yeah. the time for a pop song to have this kind of element in it, which is certainly part of its success yeah. for sure. The label, Def Jam, uh, and apparently uh, Cisco put up his own money to make this album and then sold it back to Def Jam. So I don't know the story there. I don't know if Def Jam was just like, yo, the Drew Hill brand is so good that like I don't know if anybody can branch off here and become a solo artist. We don't trust it. Or what happened. But there, there was not initial faith in Cisco. Drew Hill, Drew Hill was also on Def Jam, correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote all the songs and put up all the money for the album. Mm-hmm. That's some like DIY punk shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So the the label goes with "Gotta Get It" as a lead single, which I don't even remember and, that song. Well, no, because from what I read, radio gods, DJs were like, "Nah, like thong song is it." So they start playing Thong Thong, or I don't know if they start playing it, or if they were just going to the label being like, no, like, this is, this is the single. Uh, Gotta Get It was uh, spent four weeks being pushed by Def Jam, and then they pulled it, and then went with Thong Thong, and no surprise, took off like fucking wildfire. You know, as one of those, there's a fun road to get here, but once it hits radio, the song <laughs> takes off for all the obvious reasons. 20, 20%. And uh, also, the video is just fantastic and the video certainly helped the success of this album it's great for for those who have not watched it, it it's essentially a dance show this on a beach right with a lot of girls not wearing thongs wearing regular bikinis Whoa. because at the time you could not show a thong on tv i guess so the only thongs that are in any thong that's in the is in the video is upside down because apparently the FCC was okay huh. with that. Did they scramble it too, like old porn channels? <laughs> yeah, kind of. <laughs> but it, it opens up with uh, buses of women coming in from all different cities, as noted on said buses, which is a fun effect only because uh, this video features a lot of cameos, including all of Drew Hill, 
Method Man, Red Man, Ja Rule, LL Cool J, uh, and they do Method Man's in this? yeah, and they do come off the buses of like their cities, so mm. that's kind of cool. Method Man's in everything. He's in Garden City. Is he? Yeah, he's the he's the bellhop. Wow, my yeah. mind is as blown as yours were when I mentioned Ellen Rigby <laughs> with the underpinnings of <laughs> Thong Song. <laughs> uh, so, are we watching this video or what? Oh, we can watch. Sure, yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I, I feel like I knew what a thong was when the song came out, but maybe not. I had to, didn't. but I guess just they had become so ubiquitous at that yeah. moment. I, I, I thought so too. Where the song was released New Year's Eve or New Year's Day of, of 1999, 2000. So, I mean, we would have been young. I don't know. Like, what a weird day to release a song straight up. So, the video opens up with like, it actually, there's like a little, yeah, there's a, there's there's a little a montage skit, very 90s thing to do. And as you'll see it throughout this video, like, Clearly, Def Jam woke up because they spent a lot of money on this this video. Is this his family, or like, are they just random actors? He he did have kids before he was married. He performs the thong song at the wedding, um, at his own wedding, <laughs> at his own wedding. Yeah, uh, I mean, but I he he does have kids at that time. That that fisheye. That fisheye when it zooms up on his face after he sees the thong, it's mm. got to be Hype Williams. Uh, face, Hype right? Williams or Spike Jones? <laughs> no, I have a quote from the director, so I'll tell you who the director is. That director is Joseph Kahn. Oh, wow. Oh, dude. Joseph Kahn did tons of these expensive videos. Oh, yeah? Yeah. After seeing this video, I went um, for Halloween a couple years ago. Like, we went as this... We just went, like, as a big group. We didn't go as, like, Drew Hill or anything. But one of our friends went as, like, this Cisco. And, like, (laughs) dyed his hair this color. Tell me he had the gloves. He did have, we had like a regular glove and he just cut a couple fingers off. Or something. Oh, I love That's it. great. But I remember yeah, there too. were four of us. I went as CeeLo Green. Ooh. Um, a buddy of mine went as the party rock robot. Um, wow. From like the LMFAO. That's, a, that's a old. This is a crew. This is old. This is. And another guy went as Russell from Up. And I remember the four of us were like on a train and we ran into these kids who could not have been out of high school they were probably high school kids and they could name three of us and none of them knew who cisco was they were like who is he supposed to be and it oh, blew really? my mind in that i was like you guys aren't that old that you don't know what the thong song is once again no the u.s education system is failing. <laughs> cisco spring break dude the super soakers in this video oh yeah there's method man and red man oh man on brand for Method Man and Red Man to come out. Yeah. I also love it at the, I always think about this when I hear this song at the beginning when he's like, something about like, you don't even know what guys talk about. And I'm like, how many yeah. times have I been hanging out with my friends just talking about thongs? <laughs> but not at the time. <laughs> After this video you did. Did I? <laughs> okay. I don't know about you guys, but I'm at the point where he's running across the women in the air. And I have a, uh, a fun little anecdote there. When Cisco talks about this video being made, <laughs> he said that this part where he's running on top of the women was inspired by a Bugs Bunny cartoon that he saw <laughs> where great. Bugs being chased by Elmer Fudd and he's walking on top of people. So Cisco was like, I got to do that in the video. <laughs> so here we are. That one rings a bell. Well, here's a great quote that oh, I love from man. Cisco. Uh, he goes, there's a meme that says, Jesus walked on water, but Cisco walked on bitches. <laughs> which, 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 he follows. Oh my God. He follows up by saying, "I mean, that's blasphemous, but true." <laughs> okay. But this whole segment at the end with the glow in the dark orchestra yes. and the glow in the dark swimsuits, mm-hmm. glow in the dark Cisco, glow in the dark 
stage, the full fireworks, stage, a full huge stage built on a beach. You know that Cisco had an idea for the video. They they storyboarded it, they budgeted it, and then the label was like, "Yo, we got like seven hundred thousand dollars left over," and they're like, "Oh, well, let's just do like a nighttime concert." <laughs> <laughs> this was the age of just fucking throwing money at video. The glow in the dark stuff does give me a little. Uh... Buster Rhymes vibe from yes. Put Your Hands Where My Eyes Can See. But like way more lowbrow. Yeah, that and even like his color context too. Like my favorite part is still like he does the moonwalk in the sand. He does. Like, ah, oh, I think I'm just so impressed. He's so, a good dancer. I love that he does the moonwalk after they kind of, he kind of yeah. stole the song from Michael Jackson. I don't want to hop on your jams, but there's like, there's a litany of songs between like 97 and 2003, I think, where producers just wanted to give those songs to Michael yeah. Jackson. He was like, eh. Like, most of Justin Timberlake's album. There's a couple rappers where like, they're like, oh yeah, I didn't know Michael Jackson was supposed to get this beat. And then I rapped over it. Like, it's cool. <laughs> oh yeah. Didn't it? The Neptunes tried to like. The Neptunes in particular, like, yeah. I mean, they gave it to other people. I guess that happens in everything. Hmm. I mean, writing country songs in your head, you're like, oh, this is gotta be for Luke Bryan or Eric Church or whatever. And then like some newbie comes along, they're like, eh, okay. And then that blows up and then it works really, it works out for yeah. them. But like, uh, so no surprise here. This video drew some controversy from certain, uh, some certain folks. Uh, it was accused of exploiting women as sex objects, which, uh, you really can't. But was it the first video to? No, do that? it was not. I mean, you certainly can't argue against it. But not the first video. And I. This is this is eleven years after Two Live Crew. Like, <laughs> and how many years after Motley Crew? This video is compared a lot to uh, Rex and FX Rump Shaker, which is a very similar yeah. video. And and also, yeah, probably ten oh, yeah. years after as well. Very similar video. Right. So I do I do love uh, the director Joseph Kahn has a quote. He said, "I listened to the Hong song and I said, well." This song is about asses, so you can either accept it and do something like I did, or you can go and try and turn the thong song into some kind of Chemical Brothers video and make it all pretentious about some fucking communist <laughs> upheaval or some shit. So let's just relax and make a booty video, and let's make a really good one and make it fun. You know, I love the Chemical Brothers, and weirdly they've been coming up in a lot of my conversations recently. But he's right. All their videos are very like, what's the concept here? Imagine like Christopher Nolan presents the thong song. <laughs> oh, actually, I would be interested <laughs> the, in the that. dark version. <laughs> yes. Yes. There was a lawsuit involved in this song. Oh, no. There's always a lawsuit. There's always a lawsuit. Can you guess what the lawsuit is yeah. in this song? I want to say that the church that Woody was going to probably felt some type of way about the association. <laughs> I'm sure that's not what happened, but that's what I really hope in my heart. <laughs> okay. He he sued Cisco on behalf of the wrath of God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 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 Ricky Martin. Because I'm living the vida. Yeah, because I meant to ask about that. So uh -huh. I did have that at the back of my brain. Uh -huh. They did not clear the yeah. sample. and They didn't clear the sample? Or rather, the interpolation? The writer of Living La Vida Loco, Desmond Child, who... By the way, as a massive writer, I didn't know Desmond Child wrote that. Neither song. did you know? Neither did I. He also wrote um, Joan Jett and the Blackhearts. I hate myself for loving you. Bon Jovi's You Give Love a Bad Name. Living on a Prayer. Aerosmith's Dude Looks Like a Lady. Uh, yeah. He wrote songs for Cher. Uh, Michael Bolton, Alice Cooper. I mean, this guy did not need the money from Cisco's Mong Song, but he did get it. He did get it. 
sitting at home watching Cisco glide on some booties and is like, wait a minute. Here's the thing. So here's how the story yeah. goes, apparently. And this is covered in the Vice documentary. When they're in the studio, Cisco sings this part, writes this part or whatever. Uh, Tim says, yo, we got to get that covered. Cisco says, I'm boys with Desmond Child. All good. We'll get it cleared. He never did. And somehow the manager didn't. And Def Jam Records never <laughs> thought about it, figured out. So along the way, someone or multiple people dropped the ball. And they were obviously sued. In the in the Vice documentary, like Cisco talks about it, and he's like, "Oh, it's all cool. Everyone got a piece of it. We all good." But Bob mentions that uh, Desmond made more than anyone else off wow. that song. So clearly, <laughs> it was a, it was a big settlement. And a little side note: I was reading one article about this lawsuit, and interestingly enough, this is not the first time that this has happened. Clearly, but. Um, in the most recent history of this song, a song that we will not talk about in this podcast because it is a massive hit for a reason. But apparently, Diddy never got permission from Sting to use Every Breath You Take when he recorded I'll Be Missing You. And Sting got oh, wow. 100% of the royalties on that song. 100 And then Sting performed it with him at the VMAs. Wow. In 2010, Sting's former business manager claimed that Every breath you take is responsible for more than a quarter of Sting's lifetime publishing income, somewhere in the range of twenty to forty million dollars. In two thousand ten, yeah. no, no, I'm like now. I'm like, do I have to look through anything that I need to get cleared soon? <laughs> probably. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Despite the lawsuit, yeah, Cisco still became massive from the song. It charted only at number three. What? Hold on. What? When? Around March. 2000. My favorite thing to do is when I'm listening to this podcast is when you guys mention this, try to think about what songs are before it. Which song do you think was number one at this time? March 2000. I will give you a hint. Okay. The song that's number one spent eight weeks at number one. It spent eight weeks at number one that it even fought off Faith Hill's Breed. Oh, wow. Which only peaked at number two. That's a big Cole song. You know that song? Really <laughs> 100%. <laughs> Still plays at Coles. I want it to be like a like a U two tune or something. Beautiful day, like something so massively unnecessarily huge. No, Maria Maria by Saint. That was an, oh, I was gonna say that. Oh, I'm so angry, and I'm like, nah, that song's not that. That's, there's no way. I was gonna say smooth. I could see smooth. Yeah, being eight weeks number one. I was like smooth. Like smooth was the one I was gonna say, and Maria Maria crossed my brain for like half a second. I was like, nah, yeah, but no eight way. weeks. Uh, Maria Maria was huge and produced by Wyclef Jean. Is it? Yeah, I think he's the one because he's saying like with the cardinal directions on the song, hmm. like when when Santana's speaking like Mama Chila, Mama Chila. No, I don't know that. It's like North Side. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's why. That's kind of what he did. Uh, pretty much after the carnival. That's all he did. Was just like... <laughs> I love, I am a, I have a soft spot for that song. Totally Personally, agree. Maria Maria, but like, bigger than Breathe? Well, I mean, that song is massive. The fact that that song never went yeah. number one boggles my mind. I mean, wh- where it comes in, Maria Maria was like three weeks at number one and five weeks after when, when Cisco had a chance to get number one. So unfortunately, it, it kept him off. There's not a lot of covers that I could find for this song. Uh, Cisco did do a remake of it in 2017. It slaps. I've heard it. I actually I've didn't heard it, it before. Oh, all right. well, it's like a decent. It's like a decent update. He also performed it with Panic at the Disco 
on Jimmy Kimmel, uh, I guess Jimmy Kimmel did a mashup series where he made Panic at the Cisco and they performed it together. Oh, okay. not very good. It's not very good. The idea is funny. Though. The idea is funny. And then Mad TV made a uh, a version of the song that Ari Spears sings entitled Long Song. <laughs> of course. And I, I'm just going to leave it here. It's a funny concept, but it's like really dated and really inappropriate. So if y'all want to yeah. listen to it, you can hunt that down. Well, when we're done with the episode, I'm going to send y'all a cover of the song that I think is excellent. Who is it? There's an R&B singer that I've been following for a few years. And I was actually just telling the story the other day. I was supposed to see her at Pitchfork, but a huge, crazy storm came and we had to evacuate. We just like went to a dive bar and I missed her and Kurt Vile. I was pissed. Her name's Amber Mark. And okay. I feel like she's starting to get pretty popular. Um, but I've been following her for years. She's great. And then I think it was, uh, it was last fall when uh, Jamie and I were at the beach and she dropped a cover of Thong Song. And I was like, Amber Mark, come on. Like, really need to be like doing novelty covers and then i was like shit this is really good it's really good <laughs> i can't wait to listen to it let's talk about the legacy of this song and where what a legacy Cisco is. well i mean look the legacy of the song this changed victoria's secret forever <laughs> funny you mentioned that uh, apparently according to cisco uh victoria's secrets sales of thongs went up 80 percent after this song. Why did you just say according to Forbes? But like, according no. to Cisco. <laughs> no, 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 no. This is, this is straight from the source. <laughs> First hand knowledge. Cisco is quoted as saying, once I realized how big the song was, I was like, we need to go and talk to Victoria's Secret. But everything was moving so fast, it got away from us. By the time the song had blown up, we went to have a meeting with Victoria's Secret, and they said, as much as we love the song, and you seem like a great guy... Thong sales have already gone up 80%. They've got their bag already. But fast forward 20 years later, and we left all the way to the bank, too. <laughs> well, Victoria's Secret missed out on the dragon thongs that they could have made with Cisco. The signature Cisco thong. Oh, I bet Cisco's merch is amazing. Oh, I'm sure around then, too. Oh, I have to imagine. Well, I don't know. No, because it's, it's all that weird. It, what you said earlier, it's all like bad dragon graphics. So The way that... The, the hip hop community dress from 2000 to 2004. Plenty of people would have bought terribly designed Cisco merch. Oh yeah. For sure. Also, that terribly designed late 90s, early 2000s hip hop merch is coming back. Is it? I'm trying to imagine like my woman gems logo, like diamond studded, like three different levels where like the jams is way bigger at the bottom than like. The one is. Can you can you make that to to promote this episode? You wanted a hit. Episode eight. Enter Enter the pod, unleash the Jeremy. Un- sorry, unleash the Jeremy. <laughs> anyway, back to the legacy of this song. Nominated for four Grammys. Nice. Uh Cisco says, quoted, uh, this is pretty much like my thriller. Which I'd agree. Yeah. Apparently, Bill Clinton invited him to the White House. What? Uh, Of course he did. Of course he did. That's such a Bill Clinton move. Bill Clinton plays. Hey, you guys know this thong song? I've been really enjoying it. Uh, Call Cisco. I'd like to have uh, a drink and a cigar with him. I'm pretty sure that's how it all went down. Uh, As we mentioned earlier, the goal of Unleash the Dragon and Cisco's entire solo career was to 
keep Drew Hill together and keep them profitable yeah. and bring them back together, which so mission accomplished. Cool. It's very cool. That's incredible. Uh, our producer boys, Tim and Bob, they uh, always, you know, they were producing songs to try to get in front of Michael Jackson. Uh, apparently, Michael Jackson called after this song came out and said, if you guys can give me a song better than that long song, come meet with me. So, Damn. Wait, who said this? Cisco? No. I don't know if that haunts, I don't know if that haunts both of them. Yeah. That haunts one of them, though. Apparently, well, apparently they met with Michael Jackson after this, but there's no fact of them. It's got, for them to be like, for them to be like, we're holding this song from Michael Jackson and then them give it away. Then Michael Jackson be like, you guys have a song better <laughs> than that gave one. Away maybe they don't. probably don't. Maybe they don't. That would, oh, it would haunt me. Tim and Bob went on to win three Grammy Awards um, amongst 12 nominations. They've sold more than 400 million albums worldwide, making them one of the most successful producer duos in music history. They are among the most consistent urban producers in the last 18 years, earning a spot on Billboard's top 10 list of producers almost every year since 1998. Uh, Cisco Cisco's still doing his thing. Uh, he went on and appeared on CMT's competition show called Gone Country, uh, competing against the likes of Bobby Brown. <clears throat> uh, Cisco said the show was CMT's most popular show at the time, and he said they gave me a plaque for that joint, so that was cool. <laughs> that was the only quote I could find from Cisco. <laughs> well, I've, I've never seen this program. Do Gone they country. cover country songs? Or do they like oh, do their own songs country style? Like, is there a is there a, like a two step and thong song I need to hear? I'm debating if I would want to hear a two step and thong song more than I want to hear like Cisco singing Rascal Flats. Like, I don't know which one I want to hear more. Yeah, but I want to I want to hear Cisco <laughs> doing like Johnny Paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> I will say to speak to the legacy of thong song and Cisco in general. Watching. Cisco in full country garb gives me like a lot of Lil Nas X vibes. Totally. <laughs> but also, like, I kind of feel like Cisco was one of the first artists to like dye his hair, do his thing, be like flamboyant in a way that was like cool. And he kind of broke the mold a bit in that way, which does open the door for folks like Lil Nas X. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to think of anybody on that grand of a scale. Not that comes to mind. On a completely different uh, side of the coin, the most recent thing that I saw from Cisco outside of his music career was that he wrote a, a children's book entitled Cisco's Perfect Christmas in 2018. Yes. It follows the singer's daughter and the family as they take a hijinksville cross-country Ooh. trip to see her father in time for the holidays. And I also feel like Aww. I should mention at this point that Drew Hill has a Christmas album entitled Christmas in Baltimore. <laughs> All of my Christmas gifts this upcoming year are covered. All of my friends who are listening <laughs> right now who have kids, uh, you're getting the Cisco Christmas Kids book. And those of you who don't have kids are getting the Drew Hill Christmas album. <laughs> Fantastic. So that is, that is the story of the thong song, guys. A, a good story. It came like a fun way that it came together. I would never go out of my way to like unorganically bring up like a music fact in conversation. But this Eleanor Rigby song song shit is, is just absolutely insane. It's crazy. You know that soon I'm going to be in a dive bar and this song comes on the touch tunes and I'm going to loudly go, guys, Listen to this. Don't you hear Eleanor Rigby in this? <laughs> it sounds like Eleanor Rigby by the Beatles. Well, let Shout me tell you why. <laughs> <laughs>
Do we have a mailbag or anything? I don't think we do. Uh, actually, we do have a mailbag. Oh. Uh, one thing about Mickey, my mom listened to it two nights ago, and uh, she texted me, and she <laughs> okay. said that, uh, and I now remember this. Uh, she's told me this before, but uh, she was on a drill team in the eighties, <laughs> and they performed at the Texas State Fair. And they performed to Mickey. But the best part of it is that uh, shortly after they performed, a, at the time, little-known artist from Texas named George Strait performed <laughs> on the same stage. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah, Your right? mom opened up so, for George Strait. Yeah, right? Did I ever tell you the story when I ate uh, a slice of pizza off George Strait's <laughs> plate once? No. Them's fighting words. <laughs> yeah, it was. Right. It was like George Strait was pissed about that. He was. Well, it, 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 I think, and it, it was a kind of a joking way. I, I was young and drunk. It was after my, I think, after my first not CMA, uh, CMA awards, like the Country Music Awards. I went. Mm-hmm. It was like late in the night. It was like the third after party. I think it was at Winners and or Losers. Their bars side by side together in Nashville, of course. And yeah, we went into. And there was like a ton of pizza around. And I went over to like grab a slice of pizza out of a box, like a you know, big open box and grab this pizza. And this dude is like, yo, what are you doing? I woke up and he's like, it's my pizza. Like, oh, shit, for me, I'm like, there's pizza everywhere. I didn't rock. And so like, I went to put it back and he was like, don't put it back. Like, fucking take it. I was like, all right, cool, thanks. <laughs> so I walk away and I don't realize any of this is happening. Right? And my boys are like, yo, <laughs> like, that is George Strait. I was like, <laughs> Oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit, Jeremy! This has been a pleasure. One man jams. Everyone needs to look him up on social media. It's one man jams with a Z. Yes, at the all end. one word. What else you have going on, man? Tell the people. So, on top of the goodies, I feel like that I've been littering on social media. I've taken a couple of those ideas and extended them in the full songs, and so you can check that out on anywhere you can probably listen to this podcast there is the chances of me releasing a full cover of the thong song are we'll see we'll make we'll make it we'll make like an instagram poll and we'll let the people decide. hey like we talked about there's only like one reputable cover right, so, apparently, so it might be the the key ted thanks for giving us the story of the thong song i i've been, cover this. We've been talking about covering this song since before we even started recording the podcast so it, it was definitely one of the ones that like yeah. absolutely came to mind when we first started talking about the, the concept so i'm glad we did it i'm glad the story That's was decent too uh, oh it was great and and it's been requested on the mailing list quite a bit from people so i'm <laughs> happy to give this to everyone so everyone else agreed that the song is ridiculous i don't think it's ridiculous that it was popular i think it's absurd that it got made got invested in had a million dollar video like it's a song about underwear and changed the underwear landscape for all of us for all of us still our, all our of child us. our adolescent childhoods would not be the same without the song if you know what i'm saying no way. yeah straight up the first like my first middle school dance like the first song i ever like inappropriately like put a bible between you <laughs> like song i danced to was the thong song so it holds a special place in my adolescence personally. <laughs> Quite a memory. I'm sure I could dig up some thong song memories from my 
adolescence as well. But mostly it's just me sitting watching TRL and being like, it's number one still? Holy <laughs> it's number shit. one. They're still not going to play the full video because it's number one and they got to make room for the ads <laughs> at the end of TRL. <laughs> That's a wrap on this episode of You Wanted a Hit. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. Good luck getting Thong Song out of your head. Please remember to subscribe so you know when the next episode is out. And if you listen on Apple, write a review. But only if it's nice. Follow us on Twitter at YWAHpod and let us know what you think. Or tell us what we missed by sending us an email at ywahpod at gmail.com. And share with a friend if you had a good time. This podcast was researched, produced, recorded, and edited by me and Theo Bidler. And our theme music is by Air Doctor. We'll see you next time.